0: Hello! Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Before we kick this podcast off, quick shout out to Kent CBD. Now, as you know, I'm a huge advocate for CBD, whether it's for your mental health, aches and pains in your muscles and joints, etc, etc. I happen to use it to aid with my depression, anxiety and PTSD that I have. I use... The oil to help with that. It helps keep me calm. It helps chill me out. And it's just fucking brilliant. Uh, I also use uh, the muscle balm for the aches and pains that I have in my ankle joints and my knee joints. It, it really does help. It's amazing stuff. And I happen to use Kent CBD. They're local to me. They are top notch. And the owner is a fucking brilliant man. So make sure you use it. It is brilliant. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you 10% off. Put in the promo code Zero at checkout and get 10% off. You won't regret it. It is amazing. You're welcome. But joining me today is the reigning, defending, four-time Miss Essex. And not only that, she's a power lifter. And again, not only that, she is a serving soldier in the British military. Boom. Breaking stigmas wherever she goes, whether it's mental health, whether it's padentary life, power lifters, or even women in the military. She is demolishing them all. So without further ado, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast. Georgie Goody. Can't get used to that. It never used to say "recording in progress," but now <laughs> it does, and I'm like, uh, "Yep." Yeah. And touch wood, <laughs> already no technical difficulties, which is a good thing. Good far We tend to always have some sort of problem, which is annoying. But anyway, that's what happens when you record in a shed.
1: There we go, <laughs>
0: Georgie. Welcome to the Granite Zero Podcast. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: No, that's no problem. I first, like, oh, that almost sounded wrong in itself. I first came across your um, your profile on that because um, you did quite a bit of stuff with uh, James Elliott, haven't you? I think he shared some, yep. some bits and bobs about you yeah, and he's been a previous guest on the show. And I was like, mm-hmm. who's this? And I had a little click. And I was like, hang on. Miss Essex, <laughs> serving soldier, I was like, right, that's got to be a story in itself. But we're gonna start. I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna start you off. I, I like to have the podcast. So it's like we're in a pub, basically. Okay, whiskey. cool. Got me whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> what what made you What made you want to join the military?
1: So um, I was a troublemaker when I was younger, um, as are lots of bored teenage Essex girls. Um, I found myself in trouble with the police. Um, And I was introduced to a man called Henry who had done 26 years in the Royal Anglian by my father. Um, And he had traveled the world and he had, you know a chest full of medals and all of these stories and all of this cool stuff. And I thought, you know what? I think I kind of want to do that. So at the time I applied for um, what was well back the defense boarding school when I was maybe 15 years old um, and because I knew I had to get really good grades if I wanted to go that was it I was back to school studying hard the plan had always been to go in officer entry um, go through a technical trade and just really sort of fell in love with the idea of doing something really different and seeing the world unfortunately nothing goes to plan right so that didn't work out I failed my medical every year five years I didn't end up joining as an officer which is probably for the best because um now that I'm in I realise that it wouldn't have suited me at all um but yeah I pretty much owe everything to Henry and had it not have been for meeting him and deciding that I wanted to join the army. I wasn't hanging around with some of the best people. Um, I probably would have got into drugs. I probably would have continued doing stupid things like shoplifting and bunking off school. And it gave me something to aim for, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's a it's a different sort of look on Essex, as it were. <laughs> like, Because yeah. obviously quite a lot of people go, well, Essex is TOWIE, isn't it? They're all like that. It's mm-hmm. so, like, well... Because I always say it to I always say it to the missus she's like Cause I, we, yes i'm a, i'm a I'm a fan for some reason I quite like it, <laughs> but i like i I like things that annoy me, so I'll watch something <laughs> because it annoys me, and I'm like, oh it fucking annoys me, but I want to watch it <laughs> and the, and the stupid yeah. little dramas and things but anyway, the one thing that always like really gets on my fucking nerves is when they say oh." you're like the talk of Essex. It's like, you're making out like Essex is a small place. It's quite a big county. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it is ridiculous. But it's mad though, isn't it? How, um, just a little, just whether it's talking to uh, the man Henry or, or it could be anything that just suddenly changes your perception and your like, career path, as it were. I'm sure growing up, you never thought, tell you what, I'm going to be in the army
1: no way no my whole family are in property and I thought I was going to be an architect or some kind of property lawyer or mm. something to do with developing property um, and you know so I'm from Billerickey in Essex which is a very stereotypical Essex type town and what you're imagining when you're watching TOWIE a lot of the time you know it's very white middle class everyone in the town pretty much commutes they grow up in Billerickey they die in Billerickey and it's quite unusual, really, um, for people to leave or do something yeah, different. I get, I get that. Yeah, so I, it, I didn't know.
0: Yeah, so they either, they either stay in Billericay or they marry someone from Barry Island.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that goes on the Gavin and Stacey route.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know exactly where you're coming from with that, because I come from, I come from a, a, a small city. It is a city mm-hmm. uh, in Hereford. You probably know Hereford. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm I grew up there. Like my old man was based at the camp, and mm-hmm. pretty much, unless you join the military and leave, like nine times out of ten, people just don't leave Hereford. They live in Hereford, yeah. and Hereford is everything, which is mad because mm-hmm. it's it's only just now started to catch up with time. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> sound stupid. Like I, I was saying to me, Mrs. Like like even wait, like just styles and fashions like i'm sure only just now they're starting to get like skinny jeans i swear but okay. <laughs> not that i could wear them anyway because super <laughs> super thick legs but um yeah it's such a backwards place like hereford it's, it's weird it is a weird place but i i, I love it to me still yeah. it, it's still home like i live in right, kent right, now yeah. um Mrs is a is a southern girl, so we moved yeah. we, we, we moved here. Like so, yeah. It, it's strange. Like I I get the the piss taken out of me by a, a few of my mates. They're like, oh, you're starting to get a southern twang. It's like <laughs> definitely not. It's, I, I walk around here and they're like, where are you from? Are you from Bristol? I'm like no. And then it's one thing or the <laughs> other. It's either Bristol or Wales. I'm like, I'm definitely not Welsh. <laughs> my mum's Welsh, but I'm not Welsh. But yeah, yeah we'll well, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you managed to get out then, out of yeah, Villa Yeah.
1: Well, having said that, my first posting was Colchester. <laughs> um, of it I post-in Colchester. So you know, I I didn't leave that far. <laughs> um, I mean, where I'm based now is also only around seventy to eighty miles away. So you know, very very commutable to home. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kind of feel like I've had the best of both though because I've had amazing opportunities to travel, um, for work and also, you know, your sport and AT and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, when I'm home, I've been home, which is really nice. Yeah, so that's yeah. Good.
0: That's good. And um, yeah, you didn't even get to leave the county, which is a shame. But yeah, because <laughs> I, I remember when I when I joined up and I went obviously from Hereford and my home base was Burry, in Burris and Edmunds. So okay, R- yeah. RF Honington was where I was based. And the first month that I was on basic train, I, I hated it. I was shit. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was. I was shit. I was shit in the block. Couldn't iron. Couldn't fucking do anything like that. And it wasn't until we went out and started doing the proper inventory stuff that we were supposed to do that I actually got got what I was meant to do, if that makes sense. It's like, yeah, 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 all oh, right, I was made to do this job, not iron kit, which which worked for me. What? So yeah. you probably didn't really get that home homesick sort of feeling.
1: Um, no, I mean, so I moved out when I was sort of 16 anyway. Oh, um, when I was sort of 17, 18, I had my first job in London. So I was renting a room at the time. Um, and so I didn't join in the end until I was, I had my 21st birthday in basic training. So by oh, yeah. that point... I in a way i know and i was trying to keep it quiet you know like you do because you know you're going to get something awful um but it, it got discovered so obviously i had 21 press-ups from every member of ds that caught me every <laughs> single time yeah and i thought oh, what cracking birthday um yeah definitely different to how i imagined spending yeah. my 21st <laughs> my,
0: my 21st my 21st we were actually on what we called fieldcraft one so we're actually out in the field okay. um <laughs> And we were just finished doing a simulation of a of a like a sniper stalk where we had to try and get as close as we could to the enemy mm-hmm. without getting yeah. caught. And yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was good. It, but the annoying thing was when we got back from from exercise, we then had to obviously dekit and all that. And they were like, "Well, you're you're confined to camp now because you've been out playing soldiers and killing mm-hmm. people." you're now at an aggressive state, you can't go out. I was like, it's my fucking 21st birthday. One of the, <laughs> lads, one of the lads managed to get me a cherry baked bowl, but, you know, every cloud. Every, every cloud. cloud.
1: You know what it's like, though? Like, you have a number of birthdays in the military, and actually some of them have been my best. I had one on deployment, and, like we we're sort of in the middle of nowhere you know we haven't got access to stuff and the guys managed to get hold of a cake and they bring it in and they they dress my office chair up with balloons and you know everything and I remember all week I've been going oh it's my birthday this week it's my birthday and in the morning and the day before no one had said anything and I thought they've bloody forgotten and I've been going on about it How fucking dare you (laughs) (laughs) don't you know who I am um But then they surprise you, and it's just it's nice. I've had birthdays on the ranges, and yeah, I remember yeah. being in a training area, which, as you know, is oh. is die ecosystem. And yeah. the guys get me putting candles on it, which obviously didn't survive. But it's just <laughs> that it's the nice things like that that you think,
0: yeah, it makes it. May, yeah. that, that's the that's the main thing really that sort of uh put me through my decline through my mental health when I left was the fact that I didn't have that camaraderie anymore mm. I didn't have that it, it was basically the old yeah. saying the sense of belonging and all that and the main one was was the lads and unfortunately for me which we'll probably get to a little bit later on because obviously you've gone through your own version of mm. trolls and things like that I since starting the podcast I had loads really? and a lot of them were inverted commas friends and and comrades that I had actually served on On the same squadron with out in on deployment and things like that, it was just heartbreaking, really. But yeah, um, Mm. I digress. What I really want to bring up, what got you into powerlifting?
1: (laughs) So I, um, I actually ended up with um, a number of stress fractures in my pelvis at the end of training, as lots of females in the military do. Um, obviously that's strange, just a lot of the way that. That's, that's sorry
0: <laughs> a, that's a that's a strange one you know now I've I've said it before I've had um I, I've had a, a couple of uh American serving uh females and they've said yeah. the same like if you can if you can handle the same weight and and things like that then of course have have women in in frontline roles etc cetera, etc cetera. but you are designed differently to men in, in terms of 100%. carrying weight and things like that, like yeah. I, I was and I was a, I was a bit of a pack horse when I when I was in. <laughs> you you could literally load yeah. me up and I would just carry on walking with it. But looking at some of the the females, unless they're like some sort of super CrossFit athlete or a humongous not saying that you're humongous humongous powerlifter yeah. or something like that, you're not going to be able to carry mm-hmm. the same weight as me, who's well I can't even remember what I weighed then. I weigh a lot more than I did then. <laughs> But (laughs) but yeah. So you you fractured your pelvis and say.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm also five foot three as well. So I'm actually I. There's some newspaper describing as pint size Um. But I am very little. So in basic training, um, I it was just sort of you know a repetitive sort of injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then because of the job that I do. Um, I couldn't leave training until going on to sort of promotion courses and stuff like that. So I'd finished all of my um, sort of trade training, if you like, but I was stuck. Um, and I had a sergeant major at the time who was a chairman of powerlifting. Um, you know, he was an infantier, he had world records in kind of strongman competitions. He ran a ladies day competition. I said, George, why don't you just come along and just, just see if you like it? And I remember rocking up to my first competition and just benching the bar. And the girls were amazing. They were so supportive and they were so strong. And I just remember looking at them and thinking, wow, like I want to be like them. They're so yeah, cool. Yeah, I um, get that. Yeah. So sort of six years of um of training. And then I had nationals, my first nationals in 2019. Um I had two national competitions in 2019 actually and then I won Eastern Counties in 2020 and then kind of since that partly because of Covid, partly because of work, um, I've I've not competed much but I just love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah it's um, it's a strange sort of industry the fitness. Before I joined up I was a a personal trainer in Hereford for a bit in my dad's gym so it's it's amazing how Positive it is, but also how negative it can be, depending on what gym environment you're in. Like, I found myself getting stuck on um, Instagram. Funnily enough, that's what I seem to do all day. If I'm not working, mm-hmm. I'm scrolling. And I was on Reels, mm-hmm. and I found this bloke, is it Joe Swole I think his name is his handle is. Okay. And he 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 basically targets people that are targeting other people. So there'll be like a fitness influencer, which I hate. I hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> taking, taking a video of say a, a man in a vest that's doing a workout but he's making a bit more noise or a you could say like a quite an attractive lady working mm-hmm. out and the bloke she's right next to him and he's sort of taking a glance but she's recording him taking a glance and then tried to say that he's perving on her etc cetera, etc cetera. and he's then mm-hmm. calling them out for saying look he's just minding his business in the gym you've made a bit of noise, he's turned his head and now you're calling him out. This guy could be married, he could have kids and you're now putting him on the mm-hmm. internet making him out like he's some sort of super pervert. It's like, yeah. I, was watching, I was watching that, I was like, yeah, it's right. Because in some aspects, the gym life is awesome and in other aspects, you've got a very toxic sort of environment as well. And it's it's mad, it's a sort of loop that you can get yourself in. Yeah. And not to mention little things as well. Sorry, but in. I've had a whiskey now. That's what's happened. I'm starting to talk. I told you it would loosen me up, didn't I? Um, but it's also like uh, silly things like body dysmorphia and things. like I say silly things because that is a genuine problem with especially bodybuilders and things like that, that on one hand, it's making you more confident, more positive. It It is... I don't like to say it's a form a, a form of therapy, but physically it can be. You can take your anger out on a punch bag. You can lift heavy weights. Yeah. But then you start to see a difference. you know, like, oh, I'm starting to look good. But then the next breath, you're looking at yourself in the mirror going, oh, I'm still a fat cunt. Jesus. And then you're like putting yourself down again. Did you ever find that when you when you're going through like the powerlifting stage? So obviously that's sort <laughs> of a stigma behind it, isn't it? With women powerlifters, they're like, well, you're going to be massive.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And I think as well, um, it goes both ways. It's like, where do you draw the line? You start to see progress, and that becomes addictive, right? Mm. And then you're always chasing more progress, and then you actually forget how far you've come. um And, you know, in the first lockdown, I was probably the fittest I've ever been. Um, and I had a coach. And at the time, I was dropping a lot of weight. So I was nearly 15 kilos lighter than I am now, um, which at my height is, is quite a lot. And I was looking and I was going, I'm not. Not losing enough I'm not losing enough I'm not no. leaning up not growing muscles in the right places and I was working so hard so hard so hard until my friends sort of staged a bit of an intervention they were like George like all you do is train and wear your food like your life is gone there yeah. is there is no in between and I look back at photos and I think oh my goodness how could I not see how well I was doing you know I'm very fortunate now that I have a very good coach who has put me on on a very good prep but she's also like you have a life, you know, I've got a Hindu this weekend, and she's like, oh, really? don't have anything, <laughs> 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 um, like, do yourself, and then we'll just pick it up again the next day, whereas there was a point in time, where I felt like I couldn't do that, because I was cheating on myself, yeah, and I threw in progress I made, and uh, you know, it does become addictive chasing gains, doesn't it, and the same with numbers in powerlifting, you know, you add a bit of weight to your bench, and then before you know it, well, I've only progressed by, you know, five kilos, but that could have been 10%
0: of what you were benching. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's madness. It genuinely is. It is exactly.
1: Crazy. And Not... then you don't see the progress and you get hard on yourself. And it's
0: yeah. tough. Because I had it when I was, um, so I used to box for the Air Force. And, oh, cool. um, And then when I left, I started doing a bit more and I ended up doing one of those white collar events. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I basically had eight weeks to train and I put myself into a fight camp. So mm-hmm. I literally was like, right, I know what to do. I know how to lose weight. I used to be a nutritionist. I know what to do. Mm-hmm. Even now, I know what to do. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, George. I'm fucking, I'm so lazy. Like, <laughs> I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to eat. I know exactly that it's calories in versus calories out. But I'm like, I'm 35, I can't be bothered anymore. I'm at that stage. But I'm, I'm sure I'll change at some point. I'll see myself in the mirror and go, you silly fat bastard. Come on, sort yourself out. But anyway, I digress. I remember going into this um, into this like sort of fight camp, but I was obviously still working at the same time. So I'm not like in a proper fight camp like an actual fighter. But in my head I was. And I was like, yeah. And I remember being out on a on a job. I did um I I used to do surveillance for to try and catch benefit sheets for, for a little bit. I remember being out in the van and okay. and I was like, oh, I'm fucking hungry. And I've got no food, and I was like, "Well, we're going in, we're following the the sub subject until a, a McDonald's or something like that." And I was like, "Well, I can't have one of those." So I I'm, I'm in fight camp, and I was like, "But I need one." It's like, "Oh, just get it," you know. And then, and then I'll be like looking at my weight and going, "Right, I need to get my weight down." If I get my weight down, I'll be at peak. And then I ended up, the person that I was uh fighting was a good. Well, I'm only 5'6", as I said, mm-hmm. so I'm quite a short bloke. The bloke I was fighting was at least 6'2", and he had at least 20 kilos on me, at least. So I was like, well, I've dieted myself down, and now I've got to fight this absolute lump. It's not fair. But still beating, so mm-hmm. win-win. Do you know what? I said, I said we funny. weren't going to have technical difficulties, and we just did, didn't we? <laughs>
1: We did, yeah. I know. Um, I got to the point where you said he was six two, and I bet you wish you were having them McDonald's then.
0: Yeah, well, he was six two and about twenty kilos heavier to be at least.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but I still knocked him out in the second round. So,
1: win, well, win. there we
0: go. Win, 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 win. <laughs> but so you, so you're still, you're still getting in on the powerlifting and 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 whatnot. So. That's gotta be. That's awesome. I'm just gonna say that. That's awesome. Like, because obviously, you get you get you get your track suit soldiers, but nobody actually thinks right. Let's do let's do some powerlifting. That's awesome. I like I I like lifting heavy shit. If I'm honest.
1: Yeah, but, I do. I so do. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you can do anything, and what I like about it as well is unlike some of the sort of tracksuit soldier type roles is that because it's not a team sport so you don't have to commit the same sort of time Mm. and resources and you know training camps and stuff to it you can train independently it doesn't matter where you're based or what your schedule's like you can work it around and most civilians run a weekend and you know it's it's amazing how many women do it and I had no idea and being in the army like it is very male dominated and i find it's it's so weird that the community through pageantry and also powerlifting is so similar in both um both types of competition if you like the yeah. girls are really there and i just think that's really cool
0: yeah i was going i was actually gonna ask you about 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 that i had a uh, a former a former u.s marine uh mm-hmm. female on the show she was a i believe some sort of helicopter technician i may have just got that completely wrong but she was (laughs) saying um how difficult it was while she was going through training and then onto unit because like you said because it's so male dominated like she had like the nickname tits and things like that and she was like well i don't i don't appreciate that Mm -hmm. i'm doing the same job as you can you not treat me the same have you ever had any sort of
1: experience like that are oh, honestly like I so many that I probably couldn't count them. I've been told mainly by other females, funny enough, um, that no one would take me seriously because I come across like a blonde bimbo. Um I've had that I wear too much makeup. So again, no one will take me seriously. I actually had so I'm exceptionally competent at my job and I'm very comfortable saying that. Like I'm, I'm very good at my job. And I have basically had a warrant officer tell me that they would rather have one of the people who was on my team who was very incompetent at their job because they look more like a soldier and that people would listen to her because she acts the part and she speaks the part and she doesn't have a thick Essex accent and all the rest of it. And I was like, but as soon as I actually open my mouth and they hear what I've got to say, they'll yeah. realise that I know what I'm talking about. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, I face it, I, I, I meet people for the first time and they have a perception of what I'll be like, especially people that I've not worked with before that have read stuff in the papers about me, that have heard, oh, that's that soldier that does beauty pageants or whatever. And then within an hour, two hours of meeting me, they're like, oh, you are nothing like we expected. Yeah. You can actually do job and I'm like, yeah I can and you know I am fit and I do train and I do care about being good at my job I just also happen to do all this other stuff in my spare time
0: (laughs) so yeah but the end it's that one isn't it it's your spare time Mm -hmm. do do as you wish in your spare time you know as long as you're getting the job done and you're doing it to the best of your ability and you're actually proving that you're good then like like we said earlier it's like if you're good at it you know it shouldn't matter what you look mm-hmm. like that pisses me off the The whole looks and and all the stigma behind it like they could look at you and say oh as a as a beautiful woman oh she's got to be up her own ass." it's like why is she yeah
1: i've had it dating as well i've met people and they've messaged me up that like, you are not what i expected i thought you'd be really stuck up from your instagram and i'm like why did you think i'd be stuck up i think i'm really chill um <laughs>
2: yeah
1: apparently because I'm blonde and I do pageants, it means I'll be stuck up but you know like there is a perception especially you know being a southern girl being a beauty queen um, speaking the way that I speak all of those things go in together and people think that I'm gonna either be a bimbo or a stuck-up bimbo or you know all of those things and yeah that that's not the case um so I'm just lucky that you know when when people do get to know me they realize that
0: yeah, I, I, just, I just really fucking gets me down is that the, the stigma behind so many different things.
2: Mm-hmm. But obviously,
0: good-looking lady. Oh, she's going to be up her, uh, up her own ass, into her own looks. Everything has to be mm-hmm. perfect, blah, 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 blah. And then, oh, she, she's a powerlifter. All right, so she's going to be obsessed with the gym. She's going to be massive. She's going to be lifting heavy weights all the time. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. Oh, she does pageantry stuff oh definitely up her own ass then oh she's also a soldier oh right so she's gonna be thick as shit as well because she's a soldier so, Like, <laughs>
1: fuck off i know right
0: because <laughs> i I've, i get it now uh, in terms of it's it's stupid little stigmas for for me So obviously i served in the raf regiment so the okay. most the most hated regiment in the whole world i think Um, because of of a couple of stupid little things that have come out on the internet, like the 5 mile of death. Apparently, Mm. people shooting their own body armour, which didn't happen, by the way, uh, etc, etc. And it's like, well, so you're rough red, so you're like them lot. Oh, you stuck behind the wire. You guard the naffy. It's like, I don't think I've ever guarded a naffy in my life. I spent most of my time (laughs) in my first two tours outside the wire. Mm -hmm. But it's like whatever. I, for a long time, I was fighting that, like constantly, like getting my getting the ass about it, like going having arguments with people over it. Like stupid things, like on "fill your boots." You'd see a comment about the RAF Regiment, and you're like, right, I've got to type on that. We yeah. don't do that. <laughs> And now I'm just like, yeah, cool. Five mile of death. Like I do it now like tales from the sandpit or something. We'll put something up on a on about the RAF Regiment or fill your boots or whoever. Or the veteran state of mind, podcast will put something up. And I'll just put, yeah, cool. I remember that when I got stuck on the five mile of death. And I'll I'll play the banter banter game now. Cause I'm like, I'm over that shit. It's the, it's the same with um in terms of the mental health sort of stuff as well. It's like mm. the amount of people that didn't want to talk to me because I had depression and PTSD and things like that, they were like, Well, is he a ticking time bomb? It's like, no, I'm I'm all right. It's just I occasionally will have some down days where I probably will need to have a chat and a beer. But mm. it, it is what it is.
1: Mm.
0: Gotta break these stigmas, that's what we gotta do.
1: Uh, it's one of them, like, and so my my sister, um, she has had some mental health struggles recently, um, and she had a day off work, which her company are amazing. They do these mental health days where you can just take a day off, no questions asked, the same as if you were physically sick. And then she was awarded um, in her team, basically person of the month. And she was like, I don't deserve it because I had that day off. And I was like, if you'd broken your leg or been in a car accident yeah. or, you know, some or you'd fainted because of a physical, you know, illness, do you think that that means you don't deserve it? Well, no. So it just shows that there's still a stigma there because yeah, if you yeah. feel imp- had a day off because of your mental health but you wouldn't feel embarrassed having a day off because of your physical health there is still something wrong there and although I think it's become almost I don't want to use the word popular because that that belittles yeah, everything know,
0: I know exactly like, what you're what you're saying
1: to Have a mental health problem and you know everyone's got anxiety and everyone's got depression and all of these things but it almost takes away from the fact that we're trying to have real conversations about yeah. the fact that people real stuff and life is hard and people don't always cope all of the time and that's fine but we need to change the narrative and say we need to support these people rather than just going yeah me too I I, I didn't want to get out of bed yesterday so I yeah, now have depression too
0: every, everybody's I find that a lot of people try and one up it's like the old yeah. I've been to Reef. while well, I've been to 11 sort of thing
1: Yeah,
0: it's like yeah. well cool but I'm struggling today, and I might need, I might need that day where mm. you know. I, I totally understand where your sister's coming from because I've been there before in in terms of like being embarrassed because I had a had a shit day. Like I, I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast and in, in my book and and on a little mini doc that I did for myself. Um, I had a few days where I'd be because I, I tend to. I used to work on my own on the security Mm -hmm. side where I drive around the amount of times that I would like just pull over and just fucking burst into tears for like no reason. But then I was like, well, I can't tell anyone that people are going to think I'm all right, pussy and and shit like that. And that's the type of stuff that goes through your head. So it's, 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 it's hard. And, but Mm -hmm. nobody says it's going to be easy, but I also get the whole, um, it's, it seems to be popular and, and cool to have some sort of, mental health issue whether it's anxiety depression or whatever and i think i said it when we when i had the conversation with james because he's he is pretty good at what he does with the mental resilience stuff and and things like that and we shouldn't be in the mental health sort of thing now it should be more of a mental health awareness that's what i was talking about um it's because everybody's aware now we're it's now what we're what we're going to do about it, and shouldn't be now in into little things like it should be now mental fitness and how we're going to fix mm-hmm. and and train our brains to deal with mm-hmm. it because it's a long journey. To, yeah, to,
1: even it might not even end. Like, yeah, no, of course, and even like right from school, like as young as. Um, sort of seven eight years old when people are having their first exams and they're going through stressful times and they might have parents that divorce and you are all of those spot
0: on again you spot if on.
1: People understand that it's okay to feel stressed and it's okay for things to not be perfect all the time and develop coping mechanisms really really young yeah. and way forward then by the time they get to adulthood when things go wrong for the first time potentially they don't go God, I don't know how to deal with this and I don't know who to speak to because we've been speaking about it our whole lives rather than going, well, they're just kids, so let's shelter them from it and let's just pretend none of this is happening and we'll we'll protect them and bubble wrap them. Let's talk about the fact that everything isn't sunshine and rainbows all the time and that's okay, but we have to work out ways to make things better again. And the younger we do that, the easier that gets, surely.
0: Oh, you're spot on. I literally you just you literally just hit the nail on the head, especially in terms of my own house. I've got two daughters. I've got a I'm- 10-year-old and an eight-year-old. Um, mm-hmm. and my 10-year-old is about to go through her SATS exams. So she's got her mocks coming up. And I literally spent about half an hour with her last night, <laughs> yeah, trying to calm her down because her anxiety went through the roof. Um, just making sure my internet connection hasn't fizzled out mm. am i still still with you yes
1: yeah, so, a little bit crackly it went a bit crackly uh, yeah. it,
0: did, it did my end it came up with your internet's unstable it's because i'm in the shed a million miles away from me out um but yeah i was literally with her for about half an hour calming her down mm. talking to her about how you can't well i annoyed myself a little bit because i was like stop worrying about it and i was like that's like telling water not to be wet she clearly has anxiety about it she's going to worry about it <clears throat> excuse me but I was I, I, I did a bit of coaching with her um, I'm trained in uh, a technique inarama is what it's called or what it was called unfortunately it hasn't come to any fruition but we'll I'll talk about that another day um, anyway mm-hmm. it's a, a different technique to help with anxiety and depression things like that you basically go through your perfect day so you'd mm-hmm. go through what time would you wake up? And she went, oh, I don't know, eight o'clock. I've got to get ready for school. And I was like, whoa, it's your perfect day. What time are you getting up? You can have a lie-in if you want. She went, oh, okay, nine o'clock. And I was like, cool, what are you having for breakfast? And then she was like, pancakes. And I was like, cool, what are you having with pancakes? And it goes on like that. And the funny bit was she went, I'm going to have Nutella with it. And I went, are you going to have um, maple syrup or anything like that? She went, can't have maple syrup. Mum said, I can't. It's bad for me. It's your like, perfect day. Oh, it's your perfect day. <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then, anyway, but I managed to calm her down. And um, But, yeah, she was really worrying about it. And I was talking her through it, calming her down. I was like, this is gonna, only going to get worse because mm-hmm. these are just her mocks. I was trying to tell her that the mocks don't count. The practice. She
1: the freebie. Like,
0: oh, okay, okay, cool. And then I managed to calm her down. And what I did today was I went out and got her a, just a little notebook.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I gave it to her. She likes writing anyway. And I said, "This isn't for you to just write crap about Stranger Things." In, I want, I want this to be your journal on your thoughts and feelings. Write mm-hmm. it down, and it will help you out. And you can look back on it and see how you're feeling. She was like, "Oh, yeah. thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad." I got her a nice, nice pen as well. And I was like, oh "That's nice. That's nice. I did something good today. I felt good, like, yeah, because." As, as a parent, it, you can't help but think it's your fault that they've got certain issues. Like mm. My wife uh, suffers quite badly with anxiety. Um, I have anxiety, but not to that extent. But it's like, oh, that's my fault that she's got that. And then I think, well, it's not my fault. She could have developed that without me anyway.
1: Yeah. And it would be a combination of things like the environment she's in, the stress of sat, actual chemical processes in the brain um
0: that are, oh don't I'm get really- me started on that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready <laughs> <It's> not <awful. laughs> so oh. yeah no oh, no we did that uh, we have um so the wife's been out and got her uh special stuff ready special stuff <laughs> I'm, so, I'm <laughs> such a bloke and I it's got a special bag ready um for when that sort that stuff happens but the yeah the whole puberty thing is hitting hard at the minute like her hormones are up and down, like I don't know what. Mm. Like, one well, the other day, she just started crying for no reason. She, I was like, What are you crying? She was like, I oh, don't know, dad. I was like, Oh,
1: god, god, I still do it all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm definitely i'm not like I have no kind of depression. Um, I'm quite an anxious person, but I don't have anxiety, I'm just an overthinker and overworried. Yeah, yeah, I get but, that. And I, you know, I, I was speaking to my mum the other day and I just burst into tears and she went, what's the matter? And I went, I just had a thought. And she went, right, I went, I'm going to outlive Max. Max is my dog. And she went, well, yeah, obviously he's a dog. And I went, that day can't ever come. Now he's only five years old, so I've probably got a very long time. Yeah, you got
0: a bit of time, you've got a bit of time. It is sad though, it is, it is sad. You definitely get attached to, uh, mm-hmm. to animals. Um, my my our family dog uh, passed away. Uh, a few a couple of months back now Jerry and yeah. I remember my brother phoning me up right and he told me and he, he started crying on the phone I was like oh, okay cheers and I phoned up the wife and I literally went <laughs> my actual words were but he's such a good boy and then I literally just burst into tears and I was like I never thought I'd cry over a dog but I was mm-hmm. like he was, he was brilliant Jerry was brilliant
1: yeah
0: he was he was such an idiot but he was brilliant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, through lockdown, so my mum's got a terrible illness, so it wasn't safe for me to ever go home because I was working in the week around so many other people. So I was going back to my own property in Colchester, but not seeing anyone really. And I was working a week on week off. So I was never clear from people long enough to go home. Mm. But it meant that weeks off, it was just me and the dog. And I think, you know, if I didn't have him, I'm quite a chatty person. I would have felt so lonely and he's moved me loads of times you know he's been through breakups with me he's been through deaths in the family with me he's been through lockdown with me and, and I just I do about him
0: <laughs> it's amazing how much they pick up as well mm-hmm. especially dogs yeah I've got a cat yeah because I'm outnumbered okay. <laughs> I'm outnumbered by uh, even the cat's a girl so <laughs> it's four it's four against one but is it's is it amazing how, how even they pick up even cats like my if if the wife goes off to see her, her mates for an evening, because a couple of her friends have moved away. Some are some are <laughs> up in London, some are a bit further East Sussex sort of way. So she might okay, have to yeah. stay over that that night. It's like the cat knows that I don't like being in bed on my own, if that makes sense. Oh, but oh, she'll yeah. come and lie next to me on my side. And I'm like, no, oh, she does love me. Like most people yeah. get this perception about cats, like they they're trying to kill you in your sleep and things, but she <laughs> she's she's brilliant. Like she's she's been quite loving lately, and I think it's because there's a new cat moved in a couple of doors down and they don't get on. But, but yeah, she keeps she keeps coming over to me. I'm like, yeah, she she knows who the alpha is in the house. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's me though. That's why she comes and sits with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I'm. We're almost at the stage where we're going to get a dog, so okay. I'm, I'm yeah. sort of wearing them down, wearing them down. What would you? Get? Um, I I like uh, I like spaniels. I like Springer spaniels. The the two dogs that we've had growing up was um, Springer Collie crosses, um, mm-hmm. which is they are awesome, but also. Full of energy and you have to right. find new ways of wearing them out. Because obviously both well, working it. dogs breed them together. Mm. <sighs> Madness. Yeah. But yeah, my yeah. my 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 favorite dog, um, my missus' cousin, who literally lives three doors down from me, he's got he's got a beagle, and they're my favorite.
2: Mm. How in the ass?
0: He's a pain in the ass because uh-uh. I'm gonna say it because I know he listens to the podcast. You didn't train him when he was a pup. <laughs> so um he, he's a pain in the ass in the league he really is he pulls he every mm-hmm. four steps he's taking a piss to mark his territory and and stuff like that but he is lovely yeah he's, he's a he's yeah. gorgeous what what dog have you got i've seen it so, but i don't know what half, it is
1: yeah so i did the sensible thing and i've got one that's a breed that's like half crazy and super fair but yeah. then half really crazy and a lap dog so he's the perfect combo so he's <laughs> half spanish and um, his mum was a cocker cross Cavalier, and the oh, dad nice. was shit. So he's like a lap dog, but if I want to take him up Snowden or I want to take him on a massive hike, he's capable. Yeah. He's also at my lap. I've actually, he's, he's under my desk at the moment, just oh, having a he's snooze. He's
0: chilling but... out. He's chilling <laughs> Yeah. Out. I, I do, I adore, I have played in the past onto the miss of the mental health card. I'm like, but dogs really help with mental health they're amazing and she's like we're not here enough and I went he can come with me to work she's like yeah he can I went yes he can
1: <laughs> can he
0: oh uh, well yes because I'm the boss and I said he can um but well basically Hello. I'm the I'm the site security manager so technically I am the boss of security but I have spoken to the client of the whole site and I've said if I get a dog he can come and she's like yeah definitely I love dogs and I was like brilliant so I'm doing it <laughs> I might just, I might just turn up with one, but (laughs) we did that. We did that when we got Jerry from my dad. So my mum constantly said, no, we're not having a dog, not having a dog. And me and my brother went, we're getting a dog. And Mm -hmm. when I say back then, it would have only been 2007. It only cost us 50 quid. Yeah. From a farm. Um, I think they were trying to give them away basically. Um yeah. but I remember we, we called we called me old man out of the pub. We were like, Dad, we got your got your present. It's an early birthday present. So like, my birthday is not until September, it's May. He comes out. It's like, Happy birthday. And he's like, what's that? What we tried to do was get him a dog <laughs> so he wouldn't spend as much time in the pub.
1: Right. But he took the dog to the pub with him.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. he did. <laughs> Occasionally, he would walk to the pub with a dog.
1: Mm, yeah, good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are good. Though. I, I do love dogs. And they do. They they understand if you're mm. sad. They understand if you're happy. They know if, if you need a hug, they'll come and yeah, they... head on you or whatever.
1: They're yeah. just brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like you said, like
0: you said <laughs> going through lockdown, that must have been difficult and having having your boy there your Mm. baby
1: yeah well I think it's routine isn't it sometimes when you're going through hard times for me especially I find that if I just make myself a list of things that I'm going to do in the day and tick them off and sometimes I'll put things on the list that I know I'm going to do just for the satisfaction of ticking it off because it feels like an achievement even if it's like eat breakfast walk dog you know go to the gym It's stuff that I know I'm gonna do, but then when I tick it off, I feel like I've achieved something. So when I was on my own with him for a week, it the weeks that I was, you know, not working, I'd be like, right, I'm gonna make sure I do, you know, 10 kilometers with a dog and I'm gonna train at this time. And it it made me have a routine, even when everything else was chaotic and I couldn't control anything else. And I could just tick those things off and go, do you know what? I've achieved something today and I've not been on my own. And I'm a good dog mum and (laughs) day by day, just counting it down, ticking my lists off every day. And then before you know it, the first lockdown was over. And I think, you know, I go through times, you know what it's like in the military, a lot of the time you don't have control over things. Sometimes when you go away, you don't have control over what you're eating, when you're sleeping, when you're working, when you're training. And so it's really hard to feel like you've got any kind of control, which I think is where some of my eating disorder had got worse during my time in the military. Cause it was like, what can I control? Well, I can control if I eat or not, or if I decide to throw it up afterwards or not, there's nothing else I can control in my life. And it became like a really unhealthy fixation, but actually there are other things that you can control. And there are things that you can tick off day by day. And I think Finding things to focus on, finding things that you can say, yes, I've achieved this today, in a world full of chaos, in a world where I have so little control, I focused on this, ideally not what you're putting in your body all the time. But you know, and then you just you just move forward. So yeah. Okay.
0: So what you're saying is squatty needed routine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Fun.
0: laughs> madness. Okay, madness. No, but mm. so you met you briefly touched then on a on a eating disorder
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that something that you've struggled with for a long time or is it since
1: yeah so I think since um, my mum said as young as being like seven eight years old I would like go to parties and stuff I would basically steal food like hide things in my bed And then sit and eat until I was sick. So, you know, at that point in time, there is absolutely no way it had anything to do with my weight. It had nothing to do with body dysmorphia or the way I looked or anything. It was simply a control thing. You know, I have chosen to do this, and this is something that I have power over. And it's not a healthy coping mechanism. And I've, you know, developed other ones in my time, but it's something that I've often resorted back to in times where there's uncertainty in times where I feel like I have no control one of the few things that you physically can control is what you eat or don't eat and what you do with it afterwards and you know I was downgraded for almost a year of my military career over five years ago it was very very early on in my career before I really even understood the army or you know what my job was and it got to a point that I was like being challenged about the fact that oh it's because you're a female oh it's because you care about the way you look or to stop worrying about your weight you're not you're not fat and I'm like it's got nothing to do with my weight it's got nothing to do with my appearance it's because I feel like everything's out of control and it's not a conscious decision for me to control my food but it's something that I've always done so that is my yeah. go-to thing you know through cbc and through therapy and those kind of things um I'm never going to be cured. Like, you know, it's one of those things. I'm never going to be fixed. I'm never going to be able to live my life and never count any macros and never worry that I ate too much the night before. And, you know, I'm always going to yo-yo diet and stuff like that. And, but that's fine. As long as I recognize, Oh, okay. Things aren't going so well now. Change my behavior slightly and then move forward. You know, I've had a coach and nutritionist for years and a bit like yourself, I've done nutrition courses and I thought, well, maybe if I understand and I'm educated, I'll yeah. follow it, but I need the accountability. So unfortunately, you know, I say, unfortunately, I pay the money to have the experts do it for me and keep you on track. Um, Sometimes and you need that. I, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And I, I, I find that with, Oh, you dropped me. <laughs> I that. You dropped me. How, how fucking <laughs> dare you? Um, <laughs> now I, I, I find that like, when I when I do train, I like I do like to train on my. I tend to train on my own. Um, that, that's just down to the gym that I use. So the gym that I use is part of the former job that I had uh, when mm-hmm. I first left the military. It was like it, literally ten pound a month, so it's the cheapest gym membership in the world ever. I think. Yeah. Um, and it is an all singing, all dancing gym. <laughs> And I still have that membership, so I go there, but I don't have anyone that can come with me because it's exclusive to that job. Right, yeah. Which is a pain in the ass, because I'm not going to go and train with my father-in-law because he has different work times with, than me. He also doesn't like to train the same way as I do. He likes to mm-hmm. train sort of circuit trainings and things like that, which I do enjoy. I do love a circuit training. I do. I also mm-hmm. like doing boot camps and things like that. I used to do boot camps as an actual instructor, yeah. <laughs> excuse me but I, like i said i like to lift shit he doesn't like to lift shit so if i said to him okay. let's go and do some deadlifts he'll go i no." and i'm like <laughs> i want to do some deadlifts yeah. So i end up training yeah. on my own and the problem with that is as much as i can self-motivate and push myself i have to be in that mood to do it so mm. for example say i have put down on a on a bit of paper i have to do five rounds of fucking five reps at 165 yeah. kilos, whatever it may be. I will go, right. Well, I've done three rounds. I'll do. Let's go, let's, yeah. go, let's go punch the punch bag for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do mm-hmm. that. But previously my brother, my brother had a really good gym in Hereford. Unfortunately, he's had to um, stop it, even though oh, this is, this is an annoying thing for, for me. <laughs> so my brother is a very, very, very talented personal trainer. And yeah, I'm gonna blow the smoke up his ass because he is. And his gym was brilliant. It's very similar to, it's a bit like a box. um Before CrossFit was cool, he did all that sort. Yeah. Of stuff. He basically took a lot of inspiration from Jim Jones and those guys over in America, um Bobby Maximus and all that. The 300 lot basically. Yeah. And it was very much like that. You sort of have to be, he used like a, a fight club sort of thing. You sort of had to be invited to come and then you'd do okay. a test. And then if you were good enough, you could join the gym. However, all his disciples, you might want to call them, they were all working out using the gym. Did they ever want to pay on time or pay their monthly subscriptions and things like that? Did they fuck? So unfortunately, he had to close. But every time I went there, I've never trained so hard in my life like to the point where I'm like heaving and being physically sick because I pushed myself so hard. And I'm like, that's what I need. But yeah, yeah. I don't have anyone to do that with me. So I've like, I balloon up and I'm like, Oh, fucking hell. You're, you're a big bastard now. Then I'll train a bit and then I'll slim down. And I'm like, Phew. I tend to have to have some sort of goal. You might be the same. I, I need a I I need a goal. So I might have it written down in the five rounds, but if I haven't got, for example, a boxing match, or a Spartan yeah. race, or a football match. I did a charity football match for Rock to Recovery last year. If I haven't got a goal like that, I won't train properly. If I mm-hmm. if I do have a goal, then I will train. And my It winds my missus up because she's constantly going, why have you got to do Spartan races? Why have you got to do charity boxing matches, football matches? It stresses you out. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But it also gives me a goal to reach
1: yeah, no, completely. I feel the same. Like I, I feel lost if I don't have something on and everyone says to me, George, you do so much. Like what you do the pageantry, you do the powerlifting, you do charity things. It's like, but without it, I feel unhappy. Like I have to be busy and I have to have a goal. So when I was last deployed, um I had access to an American cookhouse, right? So you know, big eats. I know in I know. Right. I was so, at the
0: USMC in uh, in Bastion and oh
1: right. there we go so we're eating big we're training big I'm not on programme I've got no kind of goal and basically I'm squatting and deadlifting every day and I'm just eating five six meals a day plus extra protein shakes plus what? extra <laughs> and then it gets to the point that the lads are encouraging me and they go like, mass moves mass George and I'm like yeah i am getting strong and they're like mass moves mass mass moves mass and maybe like two months before coming home i thought maybe i should taper it back a bit now because i am getting very very heavy for my height like i'm looking like an absolute caveman
0: and And, um, (laughs) then
1: right and they're like no no just keep going mass moves mass mass moves." anyway i get home and i'm like oh yeah that's great but how do i function as a human being now like yeah (laughs) but the rest of my life is really hard um and again it comes down to like i need to have a coach and i need to yeah. have a girl um because actually i can still squat the same now but i'm about 20 kilos lighter and it's like that's probably much more optimal for my height um, yeah yeah you
0: got, got to optimize being a human as well it's like i, I watched a, a documentary today with it was with um Hapthor Bjornson and Eddie, Eddie Hall when they were going through the strongman on, on 2017. And I was looking at him going, you're lifting these massive weights. Sure. I'm not taking anything away from that. It's a hell of a feat. He deadlifted 500 kilos. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I've just seen you do like 12 reps of something. Yes, it's fucking incredibly heavy before people start barking at me. He couldn't breathe afterwards. Yeah, at what cost? <laughs> okay, cool. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And my old man used to always say as well, it was the thing, he was like, my my, dad, my old man was a PTI for 22 years um, and then specialised yeah. as a jump instructor. That's why, that's why he went to Hereford because he was their jump instructor, but that's another story. Right. Um, mm. And he's always said that the sportsman will always win in, in things. He's like, you could play pool constantly. And I was like, pool? Why are you using that as an example? He was like, yeah, but your fitness level, if you're a higher fitness than, say, someone who's really good, eventually he's going to get tired and he will start slipping where you won't and you'll continue at your pace and you'll, and you'll end up winning. And I was like, mm-hmm. right, that's a bizarre way to look at things. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's similar things like that. Like, yes, he can lift literally a mountain if he wanted but eventually he's going to get tired and then you'd win because you'd be able to deadlift a lighter weight for longer. Things like that. I was like, oh, right, wow. that's, that's cool. It's yeah, that comes- built for purpose. You've got to be built for purpose. Like in a zombie apocalypse, you've got to be able to have a little bit of cardio. <laughs>
1: you say it's just general life like you want to be able to play with your kids you want to be able to pick your dog up you want to be able to cook you want to be able to walk around your kitchen and like do your job without feeling like you're out of breath and it's a hard work walking up the stairs like sure great if you can lift all this heavy weight but like you like you say you you want to you want to be able to human really successfully
0: (laughs) you've got to to be a human like as long as I can run faster than a really fat guy I'm going to survive a bit longer in a zombie apocalypse Definitely. but I do find sometimes, because my my stairs in my house are fucking so steep. It's ridiculous. Like They're like this. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the girls are a pain in the ass. They share a room, so they're a pain in the ass. If they're arguing, most of the time they're golden. They love each other. But occasionally they have a personality clash. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And they'll argue. And then I have to sprint up the stairs to tell them off. And I get to the stairs and I'm starting, I'm mid-fucking-bollocking, knife hand in the light. And then the next thing I'm like, I'm, like, I'm getting out of breath here, shouting at the fucking girls. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get to I'll the gym so I can human properly so I can tell these fuckers off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know one thing we haven't spoke about yet, Georgie, and you've mentioned it a couple of times and you're wearing the sash? I haven't spoke about the pageantry yet.
1: Yeah. How the fuck did you get into that? Yeah, so um, I never thought I would do pageants in a million years. And I am absolutely in the category of people. Did you see
0: that- it as, like, I would see it as the American Miss World and all that sort of stuff, where you're like, what are these guys
1: kind of I mean being completely honest and I talk about this quite frequently like I had a very 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 negative perception of pageants um partly because you know they are much bigger in the states here um we lots of people don't know that much about them myself included and I thought why would a load of women want to stand on stage and be judged for the way that they look um, or how much they weigh? And I thought, that is not for me. Um, So it never even entered my mind. All I knew about pageants was seeing the film Miss Congeniality and going, these girls all want to cover." What? Brilliant movie. (laughs) So yeah, great movie, 100%. Um, and then I had the regional director of Miss Essex contact me on Instagram and basically say, you know, we think you'd be great for it. How? Why don't you think about it? And at the time it was, you know, it's, it's expensive to enter as well. And I thought, no, it's it's really not for me. And they sent me all this information about the charity work that they do um, and all of the different rounds. And um, so the publicity side of it and um, the, you know, challenging pageant stereotypes they had a Miss Congeniality Award um and I thought oh, you know maybe it is interesting and I was training at a really sort of like old ironworks boxing type gym you know like yeah, a yeah. real
0: proper sweat box
1: yeah yeah and I love it there um and they decided they would sponsor me so they paid my entry and being completely honest when I turned up the first time to it it was almost not a joke, but I, I didn't really know what I was doing there. And I, I really got on board with the charity stuff. So I organized, um, I benched the weight of a Chinook helicopter over a number of hours for combat stress. Um, I got a tri-service girls team together to squat the weight of a Challenger tank over a few hours, again for combat stress. And I was like, yeah, I, I get this side of it. Like I want to raise money for charity. I want to use my title for good and all of that. And then by some weird miracle, I won. <laughs> and it was so unexpected. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, so then when I went to Miss Great Britain for the first time, again, it was still kind of a bit of just a trial for me. And I thought, I don't understand why I'm here. Like, I don't know how I've got here. Um, this is crazy to me. Um, and I just loved it. And then the following year, I thought, oh, no, maybe this year, um, I'll, I'll put the work in and I understand what it means now. And I placed sixth last year. And then I I thought I was too old. So the cutoff was 27. And then they've just changed it to 30. And I thought, I've got one more go. I'll have one more try. And then this year I feel like it's my third attempt. Um, I've been lucky enough to win Miss Essex every year since 2019. And this year I've just got a feeling that I know the work that it takes to win. I know exactly what goes into it. I fully understand what pageantry is Um, and it's just not a load of girls standing on stage wearing sweat being judged for how they look it's not a load of bimbos that just care about their appearance these are women that are doctors and surgeons and soldiers like myself and lawyers and graduates and they are girls that raised so much money for charity i think um cancer research cont- contacted us the other day as finalists and said that over the time that miss great britain have been partnered with them they've raised over 90,000 pounds like that is huge that that's the, a massive, amount-, amount.
0: That is a massive yeah. amount and uh, you you're spot on that because i will hold my hands up i i've seen the odd miss world and that when it's like i'm telling you flicking through you like And they go, I'd like to cure world hunger and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, cool. Turn off. It's like, what am I fucking (laughs) watching here? And I'm watching a load of really attractive women, like you said, be judged because of how they look and and whatnot and their special talents and and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like nobody really understands, one, the effort it takes to look Mm -hmm. the way you do. Because it does, it takes effort to go yeah. to the gym, sort your makeup out properly. That's a that's a job in itself. My my uh, my youngest wants to be a makeup artist. She want she actually wants uh, to do, she wants yeah. to do movie makeup. That's her thing. She wants mm-hmm. to do all the scars and things. But, like that. She loves, Yeah, she loves all that. And she and she did um she did one the other week, and I generally thought she had hurt herself. Just, I came home from work and she had this. Gash, I can't remember if it was on a hand or on a face, but it was. might have been on a hand. But it was yeah. so realistic. And I was like, you're eight years old, and that is brilliant. But anyway, I digress. that That's the, the amount of time, effort. And like you said, you're raising money for different charities. Nobody mm. knows about that.
1: I know. Oh, sorry, I think-
0: sorry, regular human people like myself don't know about yeah.
1: that. Yeah, I think unless you're into pageantry or unless you've grown up with it or know someone that does it, it is... Because it's just not that big here, people don't know that much. It's fine, you know. And
0: there's a huge stigma... uh, Again, another huge stigma behind it because you get the things like the American shows on... on fucking, I don't know, DMX or whatever it is. DMX, that's not even a channel. That was a rapper. Um, or You know the channel. DXMC or whatever it is. Anyway like where dance mums and that sort of shit is on, they have like yeah. child pageantry stuff. And I remember flicking through and I saw a couple of those and you're like, Oh, what are you putting your kids through and things like that? And it's like, there's a negative stereotype behind pageantries because of shows like that. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think clearly you're, right.
0: you're, you're putting in a lot of work and doing some fucking brilliant stuff for amazing charities like combat stress who do, work hard and do provide the service that they say they're going to do, unlike some charities that I'm not going to talk about. Um, <clears throat> benevolent Fund. What? Who's <laughs> fucking said that? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, hats off to you for putting in the fucking work that you do. It's awesome, genuinely.
1: I think it's one of those things as well is that even people that do support pageantry and even people that go to the live shows and see the final all they ever see is the show so the final three hours where everyone's hard work comes together and it's the the best of them that they're showing when people have asked me about what pageantry is like it's not a competition it's like a year-long campaign so I was announced as a finalist um very recently, i basically know since January that I was going to be doing it. The final's not until October. From January to October, I will be doing fundraisers, I'll be doing appearances, I'll be doing events and interviews and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And the that attends the final, they just see that final two three hours.
0: Yeah, I, I was literally <laughs> going to say, what what do you actually do to one, like, be selected to become Miss Essex?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, what do you have to do throughout the year? Like you said, you have to do all these different interviews and things like that. So mm-hmm. it literally starts from January up until October, and you mm-hmm. have to do a certain number of criteria, like ticks in the box.
1: Yeah, so none of it is, um, none of it is compulsory. Um, you could do none of the work and turn up um, and walk on stage in a beautiful dress and, you know, an amazing body in swimwear, um, but you won't win you know you you just won't because it's not what it's for um there are a number of additional rounds that get you points so for example publicity so girls that challenge um perceptions of pageants by going on talks like this and um, through the media through engagement with the public about what pageantry is to try yeah. and raise the brand of Miss Great Britain if you like so you know having conversations about what pageantry actually is and the work that the girls do is is part of that and then there's you know charity rounds again there are some people that due to the work that they have or the background that they come from will be more able to raise a lot of money oh, very yeah, cool. quickly yeah. um, and the winner of the charity round will be the girl that raises the most money for charity. However, there are also sort of campaigns that they run, um, awareness, things like social media sharing, events that people go to. And all of that does come into um, your portfolio that you will create for the judges to have a look through to see the work that you've done throughout the year, um, you know, things you've done in the community and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: feel free to use the, the Gran Azura podcast for, for any of that. Helps build... <laughs> It helps build a <laughs> podcast and it could help you like the, the I've said for, for a number of years now the podcast isn't designed just for myself, it started off as my therapy basically because I couldn't I couldn't quite get my writing down, so I used the podcast to use as my therapy. I started off the podcast literally talking to myself in the shed for like an hour just to air yeah. all this crap, and then I got guests on things like that. So if anything that the podcast can do to help you, then 100 percent, I'm, I'm always on board to help like minded, like minded people. But obviously. You said you did a lot of things for uh, social media, including media and things like that. I did notice and we sort of touched on it at the beginning where I said that I had a few trolls and things like that. Being an attractive lady that is a pageant, pageantry star, like Miss Essex, etc., etc., mm-hmm. you're always going to get some annoying part of my French cunt that's going to try and drag you down because of the way you look. How, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So it at first I had decided not to read some of the comments. Um, on one of one. Yeah, one of the first national articles that broke about was in 2019. And I ended up in the Daily Mail and Lad Bible. And I had friends that would message me and be like, are you okay? Have you, you know, some of this stuff's been nasty. And it got to a point that I thought, I'm gonna have to see what they're talking about. And yeah. they, were, they were horrific. And people saying that I'd ruined my face, that I'd had too much work done. There was someone that had commented saying that I shouldn't be in the military because the enemy would see my lips before they saw anything else. So I would endanger my entire platoon. Uh, just ridiculous things, that I'm a national security threat. Um, there was actually somebody who was based on the same camp as me and I'd been very, very careful to not talk about, you know, what rank I am, what regiment I serve with, anything like that. And they put a comment on there saying, been through by all the men and women at X camp. And I thought, firstly, it's just not accurate. Um, and secondly, how dare they endanger my personal security when I've been so careful not to? Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, there is a there is the thought... thing called com, like OPSEC and COMSEC and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Also, how... how f- Right, even if you had, for example, mm-hmm. been through the entire camp, I'm not saying you have. Yeah. That's your business.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck
0: you. I, I hate yeah. trolls, mate generally
1: Yeah. Hey. And what's funny is so there was an article released recently about the fact that I had been trolled so aggressively. What? Um and I know your post picks up on it and they pushed a very, very positive narrative about how I'm hitting back at trolls and how they're ridiculous and how I've served my country and I'm a beauty queen and I should be really proud of myself. And then you look at the comments and it's all trolling. And it's like it's literally an article about trolls. <laughs> what? Yeah, I
0: know. Some people are just fucking idiots. And I saw a thing on Joe Rogan about trolls, and he said trolls are just losers. That yeah, they got nothing better to do with their life. They're like they're they're literally the the bully with the fucking magnifying glass trying to burn the ants. It's like fuck you. I I had it, and I'm I'm in the same sort of bracket as you. Where excuse me, I didn't want to read the comments.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I've done something to try and better myself and trying to show other people that it's okay. For, for me, this is to talk about mental health. Yeah. To break stigmas. I'm a white heterosexual male where the stereotypes are white privilege, et cetera, et cetera. I shouldn't be talking about my mental health and crying and showing emotions Etc. So I, when I released my book, which I keep, I always say as a joke, I got mixed reviews. Um, I didn't read the comments because I knew that I would attract certain people who I mentioned that were friends that I served mm. with, that I thought were friends. I knew that this would be like a red flag to a bull to them. They would come at me hard. And I'm like, well, I know that's going to happen. I'm not going to read it. Mm-hmm. However, there's a certain person in my household that loves to read comments like that and then try and prod me to say, look, there's another comment. So a bit like you, didn't want to read it. And then I ended up reading it going, oh, this is just fucking hurtful. There was certain comments on there that was attacking me as a, as a person saying that I was... Trying to get with people's wives while they're on tour, and and things like that. And I'm like, my my wife's family can read those comments. Yeah, and that isn't true. So
1: damaging.
0: And it's like, what? Also, why would I be trying to get on someone's wife when they're on tour? These people that are comment on on that sort of specific thing. I was on tour with you at those times. You haven't done any other tours. So stop talking shit. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just a, a hurtful thing. And then I, I, I literally had to sit down with my brother and say, look, what, what can I do? Like, I'm trying to break these stigmas. I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to help others to see that it's okay to do this. And he was mm-hmm. like, mate, you just got to do the best you can and ignore it. And I was like, Man, it's easy said than done when it's not happening to you. 100 percent it
1: is hard think it's hard hard like it is really hard I think also that and it's not fair but the people that are choosing to troll us are people that haven't chosen to take a risk or to do something brave or to put themselves out there. And it is so easy and so cowardly to sit behind a keyboard and write these things that you would never say to someone's face because you haven't chosen to do something that makes a difference. You know, you've chosen to do something that makes a difference to you and 100% will make a difference to other people. You're breaking stigmas, you're challenging stereotypes and what people want to troll you for that. That's ridiculous because I always say, I have never ever had anybody come up to me in the street as a stranger and tell me that they don't like the way I look or they think I've ruined my face or they think I've had too much work done or I shouldn't do my job, but they feel like that it's acceptable to do that online. And exactly. I imagine it for you, like I, I guarantee you, well, I might be wrong, but people don't just approach you in the street that you've never met and go, do you know what? I think what you're doing is stupid of course they don't because I've
0: had that. yeah uh, I've never had any of these people actually say it face to face like you said um yeah, yeah in fact I've even had one of one of the lads actually uh messaged me a couple, it must have been a couple of years back now and then he literally he, he apologized he was like I didn't understand the extent that you went through etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and I was like I literally, t- I, I did take the high ground. I was like, I could have just gone. I'm not. I'm not going to fucking talk to you. But I was like, no. I appreciate your message. I went. A lot of people don't understand that everybody's mind is different.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I went.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What what you lot of might have seen on tour at the same time as me may affect differently. Mm-hmm. It it might. Yes. For example, you might be in a massive contact and it might not affect you at all. Mm. I've not been in that same contact. I've been in a slightly different one, less one, but I'm I'm proper fucked up. Or Mm. it could be anything from being bullied as a kid. Mm -hmm. Bullied as a kid, seeing things as a kid that you shouldn't see and and all all sorts. Madness. I've got you back, don't worry. Mm
1: yeah thank you
0: it's, it's fucking it winds me up I don't understand the hate yes I, I I can't say I haven't because I have like hated mm. on, on, on stupid things that I shouldn't or comment on things that I shouldn't I'm dreadful for it in terms of I try and be funny when I do it if I'm honest yeah. but I'm not going to go I'm not going to challenge someone's looks or their mental health and things like that I'm not going to do mm. that. If it's a stupid comment, a bit like... Um, in fact, I didn't actually... Co- I did comment. I just said people can't speak their minds if it doesn't fit with the narrative. I think that was my comment. But it was down to the the BAFTA sort of um, controversy with... Her, I was going to call her Mindy Granger. That's not her actual name. Emma Watson. Um, when yeah, yeah, yeah. she, she went for... She was given an award because she definitely didn't get an award because she. I don't think she's done anything since Harry Potter, but (laughs) she sort of gave a little dig to J.K. Rowling because of her views on trans people, which is a Mm -hmm. a sticky topic. Of course, it is, but but also, did you need to or yeah, or 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 are you doing that because you have to be relevant at the minute?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Um. I think that's a huge thing especially with the you know the way that social media is and everyone caring about the next thing that's trendy to care about or popular to care about and the same people that will post hashtag be kind oh yeah is with the seasons based on what's trendy and popular at the time and it's like if we all just go about our lives minding our own business and we see things that maybe aren't our cup of tea, but it's not hurting anyone else and just keep our opinions to ourselves, then...
0: Opinions, though, isn't it? It's it's whether you care more about it, Mm. the thing that they're sort of touching on. Yeah. oh, you're having a go at the thing that I really like. What about fucking world peace? Oh, fuck that.
2: Yeah. You need to
0: insulate Britain. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean
1: if it's not hurting anyone else then just let people be yeah
0: like I I, I totally agree especially with that that be kind thing because obviously the amount of we'll, we'll go with the celebrity like the celebrity suicides and things like that everybody jumps on the bandwagon oh suicide prevention and and all that and then the next breath they'll see someone make a mistake and then they fucking hound them and it's like hang on a minute one second ago you were saying be kind and now you're throwing this person Mm -hmm. they're still human they've made a mistake
1: 100 percent there in the same way so there was um a very tragic death in the pageant community fairly recently um and one of the pageant queens from the US committed suicide. And she was an attorney. She had studied at law for years. She was a TV host. She had won Miss USA. She was an incredibly beautiful, incredibly successful woman. And she jumped off a six story building. And everyone was sort of rallying around the, you know, this is a tragedy. She's such a successful woman, it's so sad but by the same token, will criticise pageants and say they're all yeah. airheads, and they just care about how they look, you know, troll me for my face and all of those things. And you think, you can't have it both ways. Like, yeah. yes, suicide is tragic. Yes, we should be doing more to prevent suicide. Those same things, you don't just post it because yeah. it's trendy. You exactly. believe what you're saying.
0: I, I totally agree there. And, and actually, you saying that actually marks the... Six-year anniversary since a, a friend of mine took his own life, uh, Cy Baldwin. Um, he struggled after leaving the military with PTSD and thought mm. his only way out was uh, committing suicide, um, leaving, leaving behind his, his two boys. And it, it's, it was, it's hard and tragic and very sad because he was a very talented soldier he was a a, a sniper, it, and he was the nicest guy you'd meet. Um, he was actually quite a talented uh, guy in terms of music. Music with his, uh, he made some sort of dance. It was not my type of genre. I I prefer fucking rock music personally. No offense, <laughs> to but um, yeah, he, he he made his own his own music, and he was just a talented nice person and it's like gone gone too soon really and it, it it is sad it really is so um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna give Sai a big shout out today um I, I did a post about him earlier um because mm-hmm. I don't like to put too many words in because there's no need yeah it's just never not forgotten <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah yeah he's mm-hmm. a he's a he's a top guy and I've run out of whiskey, so I've gone on to fucking spiced rum. But cheers!
2: <laughs> cheers.
0: And it was only a little bowl. It was given to me by my mum, so uh, I don't think I must have had a couple before. I haven't gone through all that tonight. Definitely not. I'm not having, <laughs> it. I'm not having it. But <laughs> I going to touch on something actually because I'm. I had a chat with a, a former guest of mine, and I was I was a bit um naive behind this um she had had a bit of botox in her in her head and in her head just general mm-hmm. just generally in her fucking head and she's <laughs> had, a, had a, i believe she's had some botox in her lips etc cetera, etc cetera. and i was like why are you doing that just just fucking be who you are she's like do you ever think about how i feel and why i would want to do it because of different she had so many different reasons and things like that and it's like do you know what I never thought of that because you you get again stereotypes this is like a a, a common theme stereotypes yeah yeah but you you get in your head like you're going to look like fucking Cher where she's 90 years old or wherever, but she still looks like she's 30 but not really because she also looks fake as fuck but so yeah. did you, have you have you had like your lips done and things like that, or is that just what yeah. people are saying?
1: Um, no, no, no. I have. I so I've had botox in my forehead. So that's about the most movement I've got now.
0: Fantastic.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which yeah. Um, I'm I can be quite judgmental at work, so especially sort of in a training environment. So it stops me looking rude to recruits when they say stupid things because I can't move my face. So I I would say it's a career move. Um. <laughs> I've, I've had filler in my lips um, and my eyebrows are semi-permanently tattooed but that's it and all of the work I've had done is like semi-permanent so it will dissolve and it will fade and then if I choose to have I choose to have more and if I don't then it will just back to normal.
0: But yeah that's like a thing it's like it does it I, I was like I said very naive with it like you see certain people that have had too much work done you're like oh, you've had too much work done. But also you don't know what's going on in their life. We'll take Mm. some of the the TOWIE cast. Uh, One Mm. in particular has had like her nose done, completely changed her face. And it's like, why have you done that? But obviously she needed to do that to make herself feel Mm -hmm. better.
1: And in the same way as like body dysmorphia and like when we talked about earlier, which most people can relate to, you know, you get a bit of progress you then chase more progress you then think oh maybe I haven't done enough I'm gonna try and put on some more muscle or lose some more weight and then you just keep going it's very easy to my mum calls it lip blind she she jokes at me all the time because I'll be like oh I'm gonna get some more filler and she's like oh George you've gone lip blind you don't understand how big they are and I'm very lucky that my um aesthetics clinician she won't she won't let me have more done like and you, you not want to look
0: like um oh what's her name from Men Behaving Badly that had a lip massive oh I said no, know or like
1: Pete Burns or someone like that yeah, but or Pete
0: Burns who um, he he's just I can't I don't know what pronoun I'm supposed to use with that
1: don't
2: know I don't so know. we're just gonna <laughs> pretend that
0: uh, well, well he's still Pete Burns though isn't he so he's still he, <laughs> Still still he. Mm. I, hope. I hope this is where i get cancelled <laughs> that's another thing i hate that's another thing me and my brother discuss this all the time right i have no problem with people being trans or mm-hmm. having different pronouns but also don't throw me under the bus if i get it wrong yeah at least yeah. let me know have a t-shirt or something or a qr code so i can buzz and go all oh, right you're a a
1: Z. I think it all comes down to. Why is, to, I, Why is this so it so well, though? Yeah, I I just think in the same way that there are stigmas around mental health, about pageantry, about loads of things that people just don't understand. People are going to get it wrong while they're learning. People are going to get it wrong yeah, sometimes, completely, <laughs> un- unavoidably, and the intent is what matters, right? If people aren't, you know, coming at it with malicious intent, Ooh. then it's up people who do know about these subjects to, to educate and say, hey, look, I know you probably didn't mean any offence, but actually this is the way that I want to be called or this is actually what this means. And then we'll go, oh, sorry, didn't realise. And then we can get it right rather than cancelling Yeah, exactly. It, it's, and like, clearly malicious and deliberately yeah. malicious.
0: If you're, if you're generally being racist or homophobic, then sure, mm. yeah, guck. But if I'm just talking to you and I say she or her, mm-hmm. like to it describe yeah. you and you go, oh Tomo, I'll stop you there, mate. I'm I'm fucking, I don't know. He, they they is I don't yep. know. Yeah, whatever. And I'll go, oh shit, sorry. That's why I tend to call people buddy or pal or mate, because I don't know what I'm supposed to say anymore. And it's, mm. it's, a, it's a minefield. It really is. It is. For sure, yeah. And like I said earlier, I'm a white privileged heterosexual male. I'm going to get it wrong. And you're going to fucking troll me and then put me on Instagram and saying and this guy's a hate preacher. I'm not. I love yeah. you all. But also, give me a break. Yeah,
1: 100%.
0: But I is one for you, because seeing as you're a powerlifter, however, <laughs> we're going to quickly press pause, because I need the toilet quick, and then we'll...
1: I actually think, I've got to be really sorry, I think my phone is going to... Oh. Are you going to die? Any second, yeah, and I don't have my charger in Where? Oh, shit
0: on it. Right, <laughs> I'll quickly ask you now then. Right, quick
1: yeah
0: on on the on the on the trans thing Mm -hmm. trans women who were men that are now women
2: Mm
0: -hmm. powerlifting what is your view on that Mm -hmm. there's a question
1: we have had this conversation in the office so many times Mm -hmm. and on the say do you know what i've got no issue at all. If you are now a female, then absolutely you should be able to compete because it's not fair for you to not be able to compete. And obviously, there is not a category just for trans people to compete. So it would be fair for them to have nowhere to compete. I do understand that I get, get that. the levels of testosterone and for years that they That's what there. I was going to say. There are advantages.
0: That that is the that's the big thing. I have no problem with with them competing in whatever sport there there is one uh, oh, that sounded really bad there is one there is a trans lady that is a swimmer that was competing as a man that was like 134th in the world transitioned yeah. to a woman and is now number one in the world it's like okay we can see why but we also can't say why because that is transphobic for some reason and i i totally agree with the with the with certain things like but also it's you've got a power lifter or a weight lifter that can lift more than yourself Mm. because they like you said they could be like my age competing against you they've had 30 years of testosterone and then gone Mm. right And now i'm a woman and you're like hang on a minute I haven't had 30 years of testosterone. Can I have 30 years of testosterone? And then I'll be able to lift it. But it's, it's a horrible circle. And because of the woke culture that we're in, it's like, you can't moan about it because then your transphobia is fucking such a minefield. Everything is a minefield.
2: And oh, very difficult.
0: You've got to be careful, Georgie, because if you're on the front line, because you've had filler in, you might s- set off a tripwire or something.
1: Right, and then I'll. Okay, are yeah,
0: so yeah. big, I don't know. And you won't know what to do because you're a pageant star and you're a woman. You don't know what mm-hmm. it's like. Oh fuck! It. Everything.
1: <laughs> I'm a national security threat. You are such
0: country. a threat. You're a threat to me because I don't know. There'll be some <laughs> sort of excuse. <laughs> you know what? I actually generally had I had this before I came on with you. I would just I, I literally got in the shower, I got out, and uh, my wife turned to me. She went, "Oh, you are getting yourself all ready for your date? Are you on your on your pocket. I was like, "Right." I, I I stopped there. I went, "I'll stop you there. You never do this if I have a male on the show."
1: okay yeah, I,
0: because I've got a woman on the show. You're getting all defensive. I went, "I've been married to you." for almost 11 years i've been with you for 14 years yeah. i went what are you talking about woman and she's like yeah all right sure <laughs> i'll let you have that one and when you didn't do it on the weekend when i had rusty Furmin on you wanted to hear all about that i'll go in i'll literally i'll press stop on this get it all ready and she'll go how was your date that's what she'll say and if she does i'll send you i'll send you a message and say that she said it I know your phone's dying and I'm busting for a wee but I have loved every second of this chat, it's been brilliant
1: Me too, thank you so much for having me
0: You are, you are welcome any and I think we probably need to do a part two at some point to discuss further
1: okay.
0: stuff and and good luck with this year's Paddingtree
1: Thank you so much
0: <laughs> Now thank I'll catch you. you again soon I won't take up any more of your time I think it's, what, what time are we on? Oh bloody hell. Well late. <laughs> Half past nine. I should be in bed. No, but thanks you very much for coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so
1: much. Have a good evening.
0: And you, mate. Okay. i you soon. Bye.